I realize that some of you um, always keep your eyes on the clock. You want to make sure you get home in time for lunch. And I just got to share with you a Christmas present that I got. My daughter, uh, Lizzie, gave me this watch. And you can set it to give you a mild, I think, you know, like 120 volt shock. Um, and it's set for 11 o'clock. So um, it might be shocking to see if I actually get done on time. So anyway, uh, in your bulletin, um, you've got this fabulous, we'll call it a bookmark. It's made to put in your Bible. Of course, if you don't have a paper Bible, if you have a phone, it's going to be kind of hard to put it in there. But you probably could take a picture of it and have it in your phone. But anyway, um, we're going to be looking at one of the most um, misunderstood portions of Scripture, and that is all the way at the end of our Bible in the book of Revelation. And I know there's a Sunday school class going on that Pastor Anthony is uh, teaching, so this is kind of supplemental uh, to uh, what's going on in that class. But as we come to the book of Revelation, it's one of the most misunderstood books in, in our Bible. And um, this little guideline here was um, put together by the church, our home church in, in Lawrence, and I asked uh, Pastor Nate if I could... Um, if I could use this, if I could borrow it, and I said I'd even put the church's name at the bottom. So um, if you don't like it, Pastor Nate said you could email him, and um, he'll talk to you. But anyway, uh, five steps for us to, to help us interpret the Bible, whether it's on Sunday morning, whether it's in your personal uh, study. First of all, is always praying and asking the Holy Spirit to help you understand, not just to jump, jump into this like you're jumping into a novel, but asking the Holy Spirit to do his work to open up not only your mind, but open up your spirit, open up your heart. So we start there. Second of all, we always want to read the scripture that we're reading uh, to allow the greater story of the scriptures to, to come out of this. Um, we believe that all of these scriptures are about pointing to Jesus. And that's why we end with the book of Revelation, because it really points to, to Jesus. And so we want to take in mind, how does this fit within the whole of scripture that we have, Old Testament and New Testament? And along with that, we want to look at the scriptural context. What is, what is going on in this very section that we're reading? Like we understand the, what we call the book of Revelation uh, is really a letter that John wrote to seven churches in Asia Minor. And so um, we have to ask, what, did it, what kind of work is it? Is it prophecy? Is it history? What is the context that it comes out of? And with that, to look at the cultural context of the people that John is writing to, to be able to uh, seek to understand the truth to the people who it was originally written to. Doesn't mean that it doesn't have truth for us, but to better understand the truth for us, we need to understand the first truth. When John was writing, or Paul was writing, or Moses was writing, he was writing to a specific group of people in a specific time, in a specific place. And we need to say, what was the message for them? 
before we ask, what is the message for me? A side note there, remember it's not always about you, okay? It is about Jesus. So we can ask, what do I learn about Jesus? And then that alignment, submitting yourself to uh, Submitting yourself to the text rather than the text submitting itself to you. And we're really good at that. We, we read the text in light of the history that is ours, or the way that we are thinking, and we come to the text, and I know people who have done this and told me and said, see, I believe this, and the text backs it up. That's backwards thinking. We need to say, the text says this, and how do I need to align my life? So as we study uh, this text uh, in the weeks to come, and as you study any text, I encourage you to uh, think about these five uh, steps in this interpretive thing that will help us take an honest look and of, of God's word. We need to remember that as we study God's word, it's not just so we will be taught, but that we'll be transformed. You see, the the scriptures are not just a teaching book. It's not like math or even the history we had in in, uh, high school and college. Remember those history classes that all you really had to do was memorize a bunch of facts and then the teacher would give the fill in the blank thing and you just had to make sure you got the right name with the right date? That's not what the scriptures are about. The scriptures are not about just about information. The scriptures are about transformation. That as we read this, this uh, word of God that we believe is inspired by God, every word of it is written so that we will know him better. And in knowing him better, our lives are transformed. We have to be very careful in in whatever portion of scripture we are reading, that we don't take it out of context. And there's a danger for the church um, that has been in place for uh, a long time, is that we, well, have somebody ever walked up to you and said, what's your favorite verse? And you give them this verse um, and often it's the one you've remembered that you've seen at every football game, John 3.16, plastered up on the wall. You remember that one. But the danger is, is that we, when we take a verse out of context, it has a danger of becoming trite and not transformative. Sometimes I would ask you to take your favorite verse and read it within the context of the chapter. Read it within the context of the the verse, the, the, the book, the whole of the Bible. We think of the passage from Jeremiah. Uh, many of us know it. God says um, to the people of Israel, first of all, um, I know the plans I have for you. Remember that? You know that verse? I know the plans I have for you to give you a kingdom, to, to bring you back into the land. And the rest of that verse is, um, so, and I'll put it in my words, so 70 years from now, you will understand this plan. That's what the prophecy talks about. But yet, that verse we put on 
how many graduation cards has that verse been on? That we say, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And we don't put the rest of it on, which would say to an 18-year-old, God has a plan for your life, and 70 years from now, you're going to learn what that plan is. It's not very hopeful. But that's what we're doing. We take, I'm not saying it's a bad, not a bad verse to put on a graduation card, but there's so much more. And we, we teach that God is going to let me know that plan today, right now, because he has this plan set out for us. And the other thing to realize in that passage is that, first of all, God wasn't talking to you, and he wasn't talking to an individual he was talking to a nation. I know the plans I have for you. So anyway, be careful. And we will be careful in the book of Revelation to not just grab verses out. Ooh, I felt that. Oh, it's still got five minutes. It warned me early. Um, so let me just make a couple thoughts about uh, the book of Revelation, we are really f- going to f- focus upon um, the seven churches. I'm not going to do the, the uh, whole of Revelation. I'm going to leave that to Pastor Anthony. Uh, let him get to the, the hard stuff. Like, just who is that seven-headed dragon anyway? Um, I want to focus on those seven churches. You know, we as a church here at Bethesda, we have a Uh, a mission and a vision statement. Our vision is that we would love God and love others. Taken from Matthew 23, where, you know, they ask, what's the great commandment? And Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We don't have to look very far for a vision statement. That's the vision we have. We want to, as a church, love God with everything we have, and we want to love our neighbors so that they will know the love of God. And our mission in the midst of that is to make disciples of all nations. Matthew 28. Make disciples of all nations. That's what we want to do. The nations that are in the Congo and the nations that are in Sioux Falls. The nations that are in Asia and the nations that are in Huron. Making disciples of all nations. Those are good visions. That's a good vision and a good mission statement. Why? Because it comes out of scripture and you better not argue with it. Sometimes we make it too cute and um, too expansive. I guess if Jesus said it, that's good enough. But what we want to do in these next few weeks is to look and see what does, the G- what does Jesus say to the church? Um, let's look at that... Um, Chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. 
Blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Blessed are the one who reads aloud the words of this testimony. I want to encourage you over the next few weeks to uh, maybe once a week, or if you're really gutsy, do it every day. It doesn't take very long to take the book of Revelation and read it aloud. Don't just, I mean, that may mean you have to go to your closet or go sit in your car because you don't want to bother everybody, but just take time to read it aloud word for word. And the more you do that, trying to push aside verse numbers and chapter numbers, the book becomes alive to you. And I've done this numerous times. Uh, when I was getting ready for another uh, a, a series in the book of Revelation, I took a whole month away to study. And every morning I read this word for word. And as I would read the next one day and then read the next day, I'd go, oh, I did it. I see it. I would have missed it if I just was writing things down or reading it with just my eyes. And so I just want to encourage you in the weeks to come, this is your homework, to take time each week to read the book aloud and from, from beginning to end. It doesn't take, I think, it's, I think it's like 30 minutes, you know. Um, and so, you know, you can... In the time that you can watch Wheel of Fortune, you can read the book of Revelation. Such a deal. Um, oh, pet peeve of mine. And I will call you on it. It is the book of Revelation, not Revelations. Okay? Get it right. One Revelation. One in this letter. Not a bunch. Just one. Okay? No S. Just revelation. The revelation. Um, and revelation is that Greek word, um, I don't know what form you want to put it in, apocalypse. We know that word, apocalypse. And we need to understand as we read through this that we have an idea in our head, many of us, especially uh, those who are, let's say, 30 and younger, that when we hear the word apocalypse, which is the word revelation, that which gets translated revelation, we think of zombies. It's the end of the world, and zombies are ruling. It's the apocalypse. Mm -mm. The apocalypse does not mean the end or that zombies rule. Apocalypse means unveiling, revealing. And so what the book of Revelation does for us is it reveals to us what Jesus wants us to know. And so when we look at the seven churches, uh, the question for us will be, what does Jesus want us to know? What is revealed to us? Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words, and blessed is the one who hears the words and subsequently 
obeys the word. And why? Because the time is near. We will see, as Jesus says over and over again to the churches, he who has an ear, let him hear. Jesus says to the churches, I want you to hear this because the time is near. I want to find you doing what you are supposed to be doing because the time is near. Because my hand is on the doorknob and I'm rattling it. And every so often we can hear it. And it's just going to take a turn of that doorknob and a pulling open of the door and we will see Jesus. As the scriptures tell us, in the clouds. It's interesting if you uh, drop down to um, hmm, verse 10. John talks about, in verses 9 and 10, he talks about where he is when this revelation comes. He's on the Isle of Patmos. He's there as a prisoner because of his declaration of who Jesus is. He's part of the church that is under tribulation as this is being written. I went and looked up Patmos. I'd like to live there, actually. I did a Google drop down to the map. Nice place. I, but John kind of gives us the picture it hadn't been built up yet. Things are still pretty barren. Um, but he said, he, he goes, I was in the spirit. I was in the midst of worship. I was being caught up in what it is to be indwelled by God and dwelling in God that Jesus talks about in John's gospel. And he said, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book. And send it to the seven churches. Write what you see. This is the only time that I can find in the New Testament where Jesus says, write this down. Have people tell you that? They don't just don't tell you, something. write this down. Why? Because it's important. I don't want you to forget it. We make a list for our children and put it on the kitchen counter and say, do the list. You can't say, well, I forgot what you said, Dad. Well, there's the list right there. I think Jesus is telling John this is incredibly important. And he tells John a little later, he says, write what you see before, in the midst of it, after it. Write it down because the church needs it. God did that for Moses, for Jeremiah, for Isaiah, for Habakkuk. Um, those people... God did say, write this down. And Jesus says, this is the time, John, write this down. It's a letter to these seven churches in Asia Minor. They all are on this big circle of road it's coming to those churches because they will pass the letter to each other. So what we read about each of these churches is also true in all of the churches. And that's when we want to ask what's the message for us today in 2022. Is it what was true in the church of Ephesus is true in the church of Bethesda today. 
and the ways in we need to pray to the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to open our hearts and our minds is because there is a, there is a word for us as the church. Um, one other note, and then a homework. Make it quick. We will see that um, the voice of Jesus and forget it. I gotta read it. Uh, verse twelve. John is hearing this voice, and then he says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, in the midst of the lampstands was one like uh, a son of man, a phrase that was always referring to Messiah, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest, and the hairs of his head were white like white wool like snow, and his eyes were aflame uh, with fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. His voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead." But he laid his right hand upon me, his hand of blessing, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I live, I'm alive forevermore, and I have the gift, the keys of death and Hades. Write, for the, write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are, are, those that have taken place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches, and we kind of go, okay, this is going to be a ride. That number seven, um, we see throughout all, all scripture. And the, writers, uh, the readers of John's uh, letter would, would understand that. Um, it's used throughout the Old Testament. It probably finds its beginning in the seven days of creation, culminating in the Sabbath. And so um, there are uh, the, the, the sevens that Jesus talks about here. There were... Uh, seven animals that were to be sacrificed. There were the seven days of creation. Um, there were seven people on the ark. Uh, Noah waited seven days before the bird came back and proved that the land was dry. Um, there were seven times that the children of Israel walked around um, Jericho. There are sevens and sevens and sevens, and they all come back to meet completion. That's Sabbath. God said, it is done. I finished. And so when we see the number seven, the stars and the lampstands, what it is really telling us today, we gain it from the context, is that it's talking about that which is full and has its completion. And we're going to see that seven. And that's where we get the seven churches. It talks about that which is full, that which is completed. It's a message for all of us. So here's your homework. Read it aloud at least once a week. 
and then ask the Lord this. God, what is your message for Bethesda? What would you say to us? What would you have me to do? We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.